Welcome to Tsunami Takeaways, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to survive and thrive in your teenage years. Each month, we talk about the biggest challenges facing teenagers today and how we overcome them through the Word of God, based on our experience of leading hundreds of teenagers and young adults each week. For more info on Tsunami Takeaways, visit us on all major social media platforms at Tsunami Students. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Tsunami Takeaways. I'm Tyler, and in the room with me today is the Nick. I'm about to get married, bro. Right, I'm about to get married. What's up, guys? It's, I'm glad to be back. Yes, and also, Dallas, I just got a new job, Keating. That's me. What up? Dude, we're pumped. Dude, before we even jump into this, tell the fortune cookie story. Oh, I love this story. This is a good story. All right, so for people that don't know, I have been kind of looking for another job and actually a couple weeks ago decided to quit my current job with no prospects of where to go, which I don't necessarily recommend. That's a bold move. But I had been contacted by a company and and done a couple interviews with them. And let's see, um, it was on a Monday, I believe. I had a, a very strenuous interview that lasted like a couple hours. And so afterwards we went and got some Chinese food from a place that Tyler had recommended and shout out nat- <laughs> naturally we had to get the fortune cookies. So, uh, everybody had eaten their fortune cookie except me. But the day after I had another interview, they contacted me uh, with the CEO of the company, which is not a very big company, but it was still like, I was pretty nervous. And so after that was over, I was just happy that it was, that it was all the interview process was all said and done. That was my third interview at that point and came downstairs and, and decided to eat my fortune cookie from yesterday. So I busted that sucker open and I looked at my mom and I was like, how crazy would it be if it said you're going to get a job or something like that, you know, along those lines. I mean, as we know from fortune cookies and I flipped the thing over and lo and behold, it says your next interview will result in a job offer. And I was, I was like freaking out. I was, we were losing our minds and I was like, does God speak through fortune cookies? Like that really feels kind of below him, but I'm just going to go ahead and claim it. Like if he spoke through a donkey, like I guess he can speak through That's a fortune it, cookie. So. Dude, I have never like one first off is a fortune cookie, even a cookie. You know, no. I don't know what it is. Yeah, that's a good question. No, what's it made out of? I don't know. Anywho, second, I've never gotten anything enlightening, like for real enlightening from a fortune cookie. Mine are always just like random, just doesn't even really make sense. But for you to get that, that's it really, it's amazing. We got a question about your story. So I know, at least the way I was raised with fortune cookies, you're supposed to give someone one and then that other person would give you a fortune cookie. So in other words, you never pick your own fortune cookie. Did you pick yours or did someone give you one? So I didn't necessarily pick it. It was just kind of the one that was left over. So they picked it. I guess. But it was nuts. I was going to ask you all if you have ever gotten a fortune cookie that was like that on the nose before because – Mine are typically like you're gonna meet someone in the future, or mine's like never like mine's like listen to the color of your tree outside and you'll prosper. And you're like, what does that even mean? Like listen, like no, but yours. I told awesome. my mom after I ended up getting the job, I was like, because we still had it, we still had the fortune cookie because naturally we were just claiming it, and I was like. Hey, let me see those numbers on the back. I'm about to go buy a lot of tickets. <laughs> hey, and, pay your ties, bro. Yeah, maybe I'll win. Some. <laughs> So if I go to your house right now, is there a is there a fortune cookie on your refrigerator, like just chilling? Right there, there is, like literally yes. right next to my refrigerator, like pinned up. That's we awesome, got it as man. A, I love that. 
love it. Put it in the back of your phone case. Yeah, it's awesome. everywhere. It's like, hey, uh, you're in your interview. Like, hey, Mr. CEO, I don't want to put a lot of pressure on you, but I got a fortune cookie that said I'm gonna get this job. So let's get it rolling. That's you know? facts. It's epic. That's All right, God. guys. So hey, check it out. What we're doing. Is our plan right now with Tsunami Takeaways, and dude, we're super excited about all the great feedback that we've got. We get to see how many people are tuning in and listening, and we're super excited about the future of this podcast. But what we're going to do is we're going to try to have two, two episodes per month. One is where we actually take the takeaways from our previous series, uh, what we go through in our youth group. But the second episode, what we're doing today, is we just want to give you some good life takeaways that you as a teenager just maybe need to hear like all of us here, me, Dallas and Nick, we're, we're older than you. We've, we've been teenagers before. We've already gone through everything that, that y'all are going through right now. And these are just some good takeaways of advice that we can give to you to help you prosper in your teenage years. Cause it's a wild ride. You know, being a teenager, it's, it's harder than a lot of people I think remember it being like in the moment you're like, wow, this is tough. But then when we get older, we're like, Oh, I'd go back to being a teenager any day. Like I would not, I don't know how you two feel. But I would not. I would. I'd much rather be a 31 year old right now, especially in today's day with social media and just the craziness that's going on in schools. Like, bro, I like. I loved high school, but I don't want to go back. What do I, you feel? I would have a very hard time surviving being a teenager in today's sure. world. Would not be easy. Yeah, I think I'm gonna pass. I still think I peaked in high school, but I definitely wouldn't go back. No, dude, you're gonna get a fortune cookie that your best days are ahead of you. That's right. Or maybe that's the Bible. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, let's get started. Dallas, why don't you give us a, a really good takeaway uh, that some young people could really use in their life for some good advice? What you got? Yeah, I think something that just comes up off the top of my head just based on what's been going on in my life, a lot of shifts and, and new things, is not to get so caught up and worried that that your path has to be a straight line necessarily. I think coming out of college – I was really, really hoping for a job that was going to be my career, um, that I was going to stay at for the rest of my life, that I was just gonna, a company that I was just going to love. I was going to get like the perfect job right off the bat. It was the same with with graduating high school. Like I, I kind of thought that I was just going to go to you know my my dream school, my perfect school. I was going to you know get a 4.0. I was going to you know do all this all this stuff that and achieve all the different dreams and, and aspirations I had set for myself, but you quickly realize when anything that you attempt in life, it's not necessarily a straight line and no path is necessarily the perfect path. And I think it's really, it's really important to realize that and to realize that uh, the path that God is, is taking you on and the path that you end up on is, um, is there to, to help you to grow, to help you to, you know, see things and learn things about yourself that you didn't know before. And that ultimately, uh, you know, you may get to that destination that you had set out for yourself or God may place you somewhere completely different, but you just have to be open and willing and don't despise your circumstances that you're in and don't despise the the twists and turns that God takes you on. Um, a lot of times, you know, the twists and turns is, is what makes it enjoyable instead of just being on a straight line. I know I can say in my own life, like I'm very, very happy from the experiences and from the things that I've learned from in my in my previous job. And I'm happy, and I, you know, I think for the foreseeable future that this job that God has placed me in is is amazing for me. But who knows? You know, I don't know necessarily where I'm going to end up. And I think as I've gotten older, I've learned to trust and enjoy the journey, and realize that that God is taking me somewhere, and I'm not at the final destination. Yeah, for sure. Dallas, I got a question. You you mentioned your dream school. What was your dream school? 
Dream school was UNC. Okay. I was very happy uh, and blessed to go to UNC. Um, Tar Heels. That's right. Go Heels. Baby won last night. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, along the way, I, I had so many expectations going into college. And I think expectations is really the enemy of joy a lot of times is when you go in and you think that things are going to go a certain way and God's going to place you with – you know, in, in the perfect relationship or in the perfect set of classes. I mean, you quickly find even just registering for classes that things don't go your way all right. the time. You know, it's, it is a struggle. And I don't, I don't think I got the exact classes that I wanted until like my last semester of my senior year. Cause I had like priority registration at that point, but it's just how it goes. So you did get to go to UNC. How far away did you, did you move from mom and dad hometown? It was about three and a half hours away from home. So I know in Tsunami, we've got some students who are getting close to the end of their senior year and considering, you know, where do I go to school? Uh, what do I do? What was your, how did you survive college and still maintain your Christian values and, and have a walk with God when you weren't around mom and dad? So I will say like first that this is, I love talking about this because I, I, I feel like I have a, an interesting perspective on this. Um, I've come into Lake Charles and realized that a lot of people like to stay home and, you know, go to McNeese or go to Suwella. And that's, it's really great to have the option of a, of a good university in your hometown. Um, for me, my mindset was just different coming out of college. Like I was really ready to get out of, get out of town, get out of home, get out from like under my parents. Not, I mean, I have great parents. I, it wasn't like a rebellious thing. It was just like an independence thing and really wanting to, to learn and grow on my own. So I guess I would encourage people out there that are kind of making that decision is really like figure out what you want. I don't think you should always be tied necessarily to to stay home. Uh, you know, you can make your own decision if, you, if you've graduated high school and you've become an adult. Ultimately, there's a lot of really great options out there. Leaving home is not for everybody. Um, I mean, everybody has to leave home eventually, but leaving home out of high school is not for everybody. And sometimes, you know, staying home and and, you know, maybe going to the school that is – close by is not a bad thing but for me I get my point in saying all this is that that every path is different I think that you should explore your options but as far as maintaining Christian values I it's just going in with a made-up mind in my opinion like just taking things beforehand like I think if you go to school somewhere else you should always uh, you know figure out before I even decide to go to the school is there a viable church that I can go to Uh, is it a church that that believes the same things that I believe? Is it a church that is open for me to get involved in? And that's what I did beforehand. I had visited a church uh, when I had moved and, you know, talked with the pastors, talked with the college ministry, um, felt like it was a good fit. And even then my path wasn't necessarily straight. Like I, uh, my sophomore year of high school, I felt like God called me to an even smaller church and uh, a place that I felt like I could get more involved. And I was, at that moment, it, it seemed like a big decision. I was like, now driving over an hour just to get to church, but it was a a decision that I felt like God led me to for my growth, and I gained a lot of experience for that. So I guess going in with a made-up mind in college is, is super important. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I've heard that one of the best things you can do in life is just move away from your hometown. You know, not that it has to be after high school, like you're saying, but uh, and it's kind of like twofold. It's like, one, whenever you're growing up as a teenager— you point out everything that's wrong with your hometown. Like, oh, we have nothing to do here. Oh, man, I can't wait to just leave. And then whenever you do leave, like one or two things is going to happen. One, you're going to miss home so much. You'll be like, oh, wow. Like, man, I, nothing's really better than hometown. You know, coming home where 
everybody knows everybody and you're comfortable in that. Or on the flip end, you might be like, wow, this is so much better. And then you actually are living out this fulfilled or excited, excited life. But I moved away from home when I was, I think, 23. Uh, and it was way different. I moved from from essentially Lake Charles of a pretty good sized town to a, a very, very small town in North Louisiana. And like, it was lonely. Like I was lonely. I didn't have a lot of friends. The community there was way different. They, they weren't all about like hanging out. It was very family oriented where you go to church, then you immediately just go home. Like there wasn't that whole hanging out afterwards. So like, it was a, it was a lonely place to be, to be honest. Uh, and that made me miss home even more. And then I've, I've been a student pastor at, at two other churches and the whole time you're there, you're just like, man, it's just, it's, it, it doesn't feel like home. It's not like like how, how blessed our church is with our, our, our culture here. And, and so me for me, moving away, it, it helped me to realize who I was. I wasn't underneath my parents' roof anymore. They still made 90% of the decisions for me. And, you know, mom would call and make my doctor's appointment for me and stuff <laughs> like that. I had to do that on my own, which yeah. is, bro, it's that's tough, man. It's intimidating, you know. Uh, but you just really, you know, when you get that, hey, you know what, I'm, I have to make my own decisions, which is a big decision. Like like Nick brought up, how did you stay connected with God? One of the things we do in Tsunami when we're planning any sermon series or anything like that, we're always kind of thinking about that. Okay, whenever you move off, say you move off to college and you're in your dorm room and everybody else is going out to party and drink or whatever, what is going to help you to not do that? Like what have you been taught in the last seven years of your your life from middle school to high school that has given you a really good sense of faith and your spiritual walk with God that is going to help you say no when everybody else is saying yes. And that's, I mean, that's huge, especially for us as the teachers that, hey, we're trying to teach you that, hey, this this walk with God, it is real, it is life-giving, and it's going to help you stay out of a lot of areas that you really don't want to go into. Right. But like like Dallas said, you really do have to go into it with your mind made up. Like this is how, listen, I know I'm away from my normal church, my normal church family, but God is still the same. I'm still, I'm still the same. He is still the same. And I'm still going to be devoted to him in the word and with worship and prayer and everything that that includes. Right. So brother Tyler, you had mentioned um, the feeling of loneliness and we, we pretty regularly talk about the um, increasing risks of mental illness, depression, anxiety, and whatnot. And a common, uh, a common symptom of those is loneliness, which it, it, I, I was there and I've been through that. I did not handle that feeling very well. How would you, how did you handle the feeling of being lonely when you're up North? Yeah. So the reason that I was lonely is that I like to be with people. I want to be in a group of people. Like I would much rather like, Hey, let's get together and go do something than just be by myself all the time. Now I like moments where I'm isolated and alone. Those are great. I think they're needed, but for the most part, like I like to enjoy it with people. Uh, and so what you have to really do is you got to find community. You have to, and sometimes you got to go out of your way to find that community. You can't wait for the community to come find you. You got to make the steps. And so, you know, here, here at our church, we have life groups and we have uh, start living, which is like uh, where you get involved with serving at the church. But what that is doing, it's helping you find people who are just like you, who think like you and who have the same interests as you so that you don't have to do life alone because we were never intended to do life alone. Right. The very first thing that God said was not good in the Bible through creation. He created mountains. They're good. The animals are good. He said everything was good until one moment. And that's when he looked at Adam and he says, it is not good for man to be 
alone, not just in a sense of to be married, but as community. We need to have community where we can share our beliefs, where we can share our, our problems. We can hold each other accountable and just enjoy life together. But like I said, sometimes you got to take that first step. You got to initiate it. Like if you come to Living Way and you're, you're, your number one complaint is, I feel like I don't have any friends. My very first question is, have you joined a life group? Because like, you don't, you don't get picked for it. You sign up for it. Right. You know, you right. find these people. Oh, you're interested in skateboarding? Let me join the skateboarding life group. We already have something in common that we're going to bond with, you know. But that's going to help you form uh, community and relationships. And I tell people this all the time. Jesus saved my soul, but the church literally saved my life. Out of high school, going to college. Lily, you walk into a school, and I'm a hometown guy. Like, Magnese is my hometown uh, in Lake Charles at Magnese College. And you walk into a room, and you know nobody there. Right. 300 people in the class, and you know a single one of them. That's lonely. And so here I am in my hometown going to the hometown college where a lot of people that I know go there, but I'm not really connected with them. And so I was like, man, where am I going to do to get involved? And I got involved with the church. I got involved with youth ministry. I got involved with the college ministry. I got involved at the PSC, which is the Pentecostal Student Center. And, and that helped me walk the straight and narrow to stay out of a lot of trouble. Like, listen, I have no idea where I would be if whenever I was 18 years old, I wasn't introduced to the really great people at Living Way to get me plugged in. Like, I, I tell people, I used to play basketball with three guys, and their last names were all Smith. They're not related at all, but it was the three Smiths and we'd go play basketball every Monday from like four to six thirty at the rec. And we would always play every week. And then right at six thirty, we would shut it down because we had Monday night prayer at seven. And like these guys were older than me and I wanted to hang out with them. And they're like, Hey, if you're going to play ball with us, you're going to come pray with us too. And that bro, that revolutionized mm, so my cool. life, bro. But it was community. But I had to put myself out there to join that community. You know, so cool. yeah, it's really like a proving ground. I think that 18 to 22 age. And I think for me, just something that I found in, in community at UNC was through my fraternity and it was a Christian fraternity and, and people, you know, can clown me all they want and, and say, you guys, you know, I don't have a party and just drink water and, you know, dance to Hillsong. Communion. I mean, you can clown me all you want, but I mean, that was community for me. And those are the guys that I played football with and I played basketball with the guys that I went every Friday and ate breakfast, like where we just talked about our struggles and stuff. You know, it's that, that was the community that got me through college. Yeah. Dude, I love this. Me, Nick, and Dallas, we're all a part of a life group here at Living Way uh, where we go play volleyball like once or twice a week, sand volleyball right from our church. And I've heard at least two people who have come and played volleyball and they get so just connected with everybody there. They're blown away that we can go out and have so much fun together without having to party, without having to drink or, or, or do anything that the world is saying you have to do to have fun. Like we're out there literally running around in a big sandbox hitting a ball back and forth. But, bro, it is so much fun because of the people that are there in the community that we're creating. But, man, just people's lives have literally been changed by playing volleyball and just being connected with some people in the church. It really is amazing, for sure. Love it. Yeah, I, I totally relate. The PSC played a, a very big part um, in my, my college career. Um, just be, having a place to go between classes or after school and hanging out with friends and uh, me and Colby, we grew up going, you know, into being in tsunami together. But that friendship didn't really birth until the PSC. People that you go to, you know, you go to church with your entire life that you're still not entirely connected with until you get in a more focused environment with them, and it's just good stuff. Uh, as far as uh, as Tyler would say, a nugget of wisdom from old 
old Nick, I guess I would say one of my former youth pastors, he said a lot of things, and I remember a lot of things, but one thing that he said a lot that I'll never forget, um, there's a lot of things he said that I'll never forget, uh, but <laughs> this one in particular was specific to relationships, and he had said he would always advise against from dating someone within your own youth group because, as Brother Tyler has said in the past, whenever it ends, and it will end, because yes, it, will. it will end, um, it just makes it so messy, especially in today's dating society and culture where you can be in high school and dating, but you're doing things that you wouldn't normally do until you're married. So that way, whenever you do break up, as Tyler has said, because you will break up, it just makes it so messy. Um, so I never got into a relationship at high school. I had one at the very end of my senior year, and that quickly crashed and burned. Um, so I don't have a whole lot of practical advice in this area, but I will say I have seen it firsthand of, of relationships crashing and burning, and it's always so messy. I would strongly hesitate and caution to not get in a relationship with someone in your own youth group because when it ends, and it will end, it's so messy. Yes, we sound like we are downing relationships so hard right now. But listen, listen, every February we do a dating series and relationship series in Tsunami, and it is probably the most remembered teaching of the entire year from our students that we have because they're hearing facts that at the beginning they don't agree with, but then you actually cannot deny once you actually accept it as well, yeah, this is actually really true. Really and, uh, nice. and so what we do, what, like our main, like, listen, our main point every year is that, listen, your relationship in middle school, for sure, not going to last. Like, it's not. Numbers aren't on your side. Like, it's just not, okay? High school, your numbers are still not on your side. The whole high school sweetheart thing, that's almost obsolete today. Like, we're not our parents. It, dating is way different today. And, and man, just the look into everybody's life, the access we have in everybody's life, it, it is it's crazy. And, and the Bible speaks nothing about dating ever. Dating wasn't even a thing until like a hundred years ago, but we use practical biblical teaching to give really good advice on relationships and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, like the whole dating in your youth group, I know no doubt there are people in your youth group that you get along with and you think is very cute and attractive and y'all think y'all would be great together. But with the whole like Nick is saying, if it's going to end, it's going to be messy. And what happens is it literally hinders you in your church service where you're so focused on this person that you just got out of a relationship with. Like, what are they thinking? Are they talking about me? Are they talking to somebody else? And it really does. It pulls your, it pulls your attention away a lot. Uh, and, and it's, it's, it is what it is really. You know, it's, there's nothing. If you find the one and they are the one and you're the one for them in your youth group, go for it. Go for it. Absolutely. Uh, but just just use caution, especially in middle school and in high school years that, hey, you're probably going to date a lot of people before you find the one that you're actually going to settle down with and start your life with. And so don't be so rushed to get to it. And uh, yeah, some really good advice, Nick. Dallas, anything you want to add on to that? No, I, I think it's good and I think it's brutally honest, but the people need to hear it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll leave it at that. That's the part I always really enjoy about the dating series is just the the how honest yeah brother tyler is because people nowadays enjoy honesty yeah um, and they like numbers and, and listen and if the only thing we ever told you was what you wanted to hear you would not grow you would not get better you know you grow through doing things that you don't like to do or you you don't you didn't expect to do and uh yeah brutal honesty is always better than fluffed up you know whatever you want to call it 
trying lies. to lies. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, what ifs, you know, it's hypotheticals, you know, all, all that. We're just going to try to be as real and as honest. All right. So we got about six minutes left and we're going to try to wrap this up. This is my, my nugget of advice. And then we're going to get some feedback from Dallas and Nick on it. Uh, my, my nugget advice for your teenage years right now, I know you're definitely dealing with identity and trying to figure out who you are and what you want to, what you want to do with your life. And just like Dallas said earlier, you know, you don't get so sold out on one thing that you're going to do. Cause I think the average number of people that number of times you change your major in college is like four now, almost five. You're going to change your decision of where you want to head in your life five times, uh, just in your college years. So it, it's, it's wild, but I want you to know this. You're only as good as your greatest weakness. And I know you probably heard that from so many people all throughout your life, but I want you to understand this. We as people, we love what we're good at. That, that literally drives your hobbies. If you're good at basketball, you probably pursue basketball. But if you're not good at basketball, you're probably not going <laughs> to pursue it very hard. So we focus on what we're good at. But if we're not careful, we'll focus on what we're good at so much that we completely neglect our weak areas. And, and our weak areas are no doubt the very area that the enemy is going to try to attack. He's not going to attack you where you're strong. That's just common sense. You don't attack, if you're playing a, a game of basketball, you're not going to try to attack their best player. You're going to attack their worst player because they're weak. And, and so what we do a lot is we get so focused on what we're good at and trying to make it better and better and better, which is really good advice. But not so if you are neglecting your greatest weakness because you're only as good as your greatest weakness. In Ephesians 4, it says this, don't give the devil or the enemy a foothold. Don't give him access so that he can do what he wants with you. And he's always looking for, if you give the, the devil an inch, he's going to take the mile. If you leave the door cracked open a little bit, he's going to kick it open and, and just walk right in. And so your foothold is your weakest area in your life that is usually, it's overlooked. You're not paying attention to it too much because you're so focused on trying to get better at your good uh, you know, talents or abilities. And so that's the area that is most vulnerable. And, and so I want you to look at it like this. Say you're a bucket. Like your life is a bucket and all your talent and everything gets poured into this bucket in every area of your life, from your character uh, to your talents, to how you treat people, all these things go into this bucket. But say there's a hole in the bucket, anywheres, no matter how much you pour into that bucket, no matter how much you pour into your talent and make it better, you're still only going to be at the highest level of that hole. What is that weakness? Yeah. You're only as good as your, as your, as your biggest weakness. And so evaluate your life, pull, pull it all out. Be brutally honest with yourself. These are things I'm really good at, but then also these are some areas that I'm really not good at because if you, if you want to elevate altogether, everything has to elevate. You know, if you, like you can go numbers with it. If, if you're a 10, a 10, a 10, a 10, a two, okay. It, you're not going to average out to be a 10. That two is going to bring your average way down. Right. And so for you guys, let's be honest, what are some areas that you think are, are a weakness that you neglect? Because, man, like nobody wants to focus on what you're bad at. You know, we, all, we like to focus on what we're good at. What are some areas that overall are probably bringing us down in our overall just effectiveness and leadability where people would want to lead us? And, you know, because we all have them. Mine, I'll, I'll go first just because I don't give you all some more time to think. Mine is that I have a hard time being emotional and sentimental with people. Because I don't feel emo like just I don't it's how God made me. I don't feel emotions like most people do. It, it's weird. I don't get sad hardly ever during bad or sad situations, like moments of loss with people who are grieving and they're just crying. And I'm like, man, 
I don't really feel anything right now. That's really, really weird. And there might be a, a, an internal problem that I need to go talk to to one of our our, our counselors here at, at Living Way about. Uh, but that what that does is that hinders me because I want to celebrate when you celebrate, and I want to be there to help you whenever you're you're feeling discouraged or defeated. But if I don't feel what you're feeling, it's very hard for me to do so. And so that's an area I pray for. Like God, give me feelings. Help me to be emotional and help me to have, you know, sympathy for people right. when they're going through these things. Because I know if I want to be a great leader and be able to connect with people, well, you can't connect with somebody that you simply can't connect with. And so that's that's for sure one of my biggest areas of weakness. And that's one of the things I, I focus the least on. You know, I'm really good at teaching the Bible and I focus on that a lot. And it doesn't matter how good at that that I that I get if my if my weakness still remains so low as a weakness. So what about you two? What, what are some... I I, it's kind of a taboo topic in Christianity. Um, I'm not great at fasting. Uh, I'm really, like, I I really struggle when I do it. And the reason I say it's taboo is because. Is anybody good at fasting? That's, that's the point. That's, that's the thing is like a lot of times you're, you know, you've got scripture to support. You're not really supposed to talk about it and whatnot. So, and that's kind of the, I guess the taboo nature of me bringing it up now is like, I'm not great at it. And I'll moan and groan and complain when I start getting hungry or whatever I you know, gave up. I'm just, it's an area that I know if I got stronger in my leadership abilities yeah, would overall. just, I would Absolutely. become a better Christian. I'd be a better leader. I'd be a better fiance. I'd be a bro- better brother, son. I'd just be a better human overall. And it's something that I need to spend more time in. Yeah. I honestly can relate to that so much. I think, I don't think anybody is amazing at fasting, but uh, I feel that do, especially like when it comes to saying that you're going to do one thing and then like you don't follow through with it, you know, I think that happens to me a lot in terms of fasting, but something that I feel like is, is a weakness of mine that I really um, recognize and I, I want to overcome is uh, just being a little bit bolder in some areas uh, being bold. Like if, if God speaks to me to go and, you know, speak some encouragement to somebody or if God, uh, you know, says, hey, man, maybe you should try this or maybe you should, you know, go do this and it would benefit you. I think I struggle with with being bold and, and taking that step and really uh, trusting in that situation. Um, that's something, I mean, specifically, I think when it, when it comes to uh, speaking, you know, encouragement into somebody's life or like going out of my way, uh, I think we really minimize our voices and like minimize the impact that we can have. Right. And I know that I have done that so much. Like, I think you know, when, when God says, Hey, you know, why don't you go be a friend to somebody today or like look for the lonely person or speak a word of encouragement. It's easy to say, Oh, my voice doesn't matter. Like, I don't really care. Like they don't really know me. They don't. But when you look back over your life and think about the people that have met the most of you and the words that you hold on to, it's like mostly not people of influence, but like obscure people. Like maybe it was a teacher or maybe it was a friend but somebody that, that spoke a word to you that you can really hold on to. So something that I'm working on that's a weakness of mine is is being bold and, and following through in those moments. Really good. I know when it comes to, you know, being bold and God has called us to be bold, to be audacious people. You know, one of the phrases that I hear is God called you to be as bold as a lion, not like a little scaredy cat, you know, and so walking in boldness. But a lot of times we don't do it because we don't think we can or we'll, we don't think that, if we do initiate it, we won't be able to finish it or it'll be awkward or something like that as, as far as you saying to go speak to somebody. But one thing that I was taught when I was a kid is that you never know until you go. And right. that is so simple but so just significant at the same time. You don't know what you can do until you go do it. 
And if God called you to do it, like he's going to help you along the way. Right. If God calls you to go pray for this complete stranger, like you're not going to get up there and be like, Hey, can I pray for you? And then like completely blank out. God is going to give you his Holy spirit, the helper. That's one of the promises. He's going to give you the words. He's yeah. going to bring it to you to remember it, you know? And I remember like the, the hardest thing I've ever done as far as taking a step of faith for, for being bold and, and praying for somebody is I was working at a car parts store here in town, like when I was in college and there was this man that came in that was, he was deaf, couldn't speak at all. And so we would have to write back and forth. He would tell me what he needed and, and he could read my lips and stuff like that. So that's kind of how we were going. And God just pressed on me so much. Pray for this man, pray for him. He didn't tell me what to pray for. Just, just pray for this man. And I didn't do it. I was afraid. Like God, it's one thing to pray for somebody that can hear me, you know, and hear the words, but like, well, you know, what am I supposed to do with this? And so I talked myself out of it and I gave the man the parts and he left. And then I was like, I felt so bad. I felt down on myself. I was like, oh, come on. But God's never going to ask me to do anything again because I couldn't even do this. I'm over here trying to be a pastor and I can't even pray for somebody. Like, come on, man. But sure enough, like 15 minutes later, same guy came back into the store. Mm-hmm. And it was like God was just like, hey, bro, this is it. Second chance. Like, I just gave, like I just brought him. He made a U-turn, boy. Come on. And, and so I, I, I was mustering up the courage and I was like in the back, like trying to go over, how is he going to go out? How is he going to do everything? And I walked back into the, like the front room. He was walking out and I was like, I'm chasing this cat down. Like I'm going to get this guy. So he's like getting in his car and I tap him on his shoulder and I actually startled him cause he wasn't expecting me. And, and I just tell him, I was like, Hey, I told him my name's Tyler. I'm a pastor at a church here in town. I just want to pray for you. And bro, he was just so receptive of it. And he just sat in his car and I was standing outside. I just put my hand on his shoulder and I began to pray and he couldn't hear it. You know, he couldn't hear it, but I know he felt it because mm-hmm. tears just started going down his face. So cool. and, and dude, what happened to him? I have no idea. Never saw him again after that. Never received anything, any word, anything like that. But as I know it was a blessing to him, but it was also more of a blessing to me because it helped me step over that. Yeah. God, I don't know if I can do this. God said, no, if I called you to do it, I already know you can do it and you're going to do it and it's going to be a blessing to you. And so, man, that's so good. Be bold. Have faith that God is with you. Listen, we all want to get better. Everybody wants to get better. But the only way you're going to get better is you find those weaknesses in your life and you dedicate some time throughout your week to get better at your weakness. Set 10 minutes apart. If you struggle connecting with people, read a book about how to influence people. You know, if you, if you struggle with being, being bold and audacious, dude, read the scriptures, meditate on the word that you are chosen. You are royal. Everything that you are, you know, whatever it is, find 10 minutes of the week, 10, 10 minutes a week for 56, you know, weeks, 56 weeks in a year, right? 52. 52. <laughs> okay. Well go four extra, bro. Who cares? You know, that's well, a, that's a, that's a 110. That's it. God deserves it. But that's a lot of time over the, the grand scheme yeah. of things. So it really fits into our Fixer Upper series right now, which we're going to talk to you about in yeah. about two weeks. We're going to have our tsunami takeaways for our current series, Fixer Upper, where the premise is make a lot of little improvements over time, and it's going to make one giant difference. That's just some good stuff. So, hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed Tsunami Takeaway Episode 2. We'll be back in two weeks for Episode 3. We're excited that you're tuning in. If you ever have any questions or you want to leave some feedback, dude, follow us on social media at tsunami students drop us a a message comment on a post i mean we will we would love to hear back from you guys remember to like and subscribe that's what i always hear people say i don't know what that's it does but like and subscribe subscribe to uh to five stars give us some feedback you know 
Let us know who has the best podcast voice. We want to know. We think we already know. We think we already know. We talk about it amongst ourselves, but we want to hear from the listeners out there. So, hey, guys, we hope you have a great day. We'll catch you right back here for another episode. It's not Dallas. It's not Dallas. (laughs) Take care. (laughs) Thank you.